Beethoven Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to, to 87? A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning in to episode 72 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Back to one of my favorite composers, arrangers, conductors, Henry Mancini. And this recording has him boiling the music down to the essence of jazz. So, get ready for an interesting take on some classic tunes with Volume 72, Blues and the Beat. And we start with the blues, composed by Henry Mancini for this album. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, 
I quite often have digitized these albums months before I get around to recording the show, but I remember how excited I was back in December while I was recording this album. I highly anticipated this show because of the musical treatment of mostly jazz standards from the previous decades. In fact, I ended up listening to the album three times before I made my mind up on what tunes I was going to play, which is why I'm playing seven songs on this episode. (laughs) Now, on to a song most overnight DJs dreaded having requested after a certain Clint Eastwood film in 
please play Misty for me. Yes, a song that was requested quite often on that overnight radio gig I had in Cleveland, and often by listeners who thought they were real smartasses when they uh, requested it, too. Check out the psychological Eastwood thriller I mentioned. It will explain everything. Misty, composed by Johnny Burke and Errol Gardner. All right, let me tell you about the vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Henry Mancini, The Blues and the Beat, on the RCA Victor label, number LPM 2147. It's on the vinyl LP album mono format. It was released in 1960. Its genre is jazz pop, and its style is easy listening. It was recorded at RCA Victor's Music Center of the World, Hollywood, California, on February 22nd, 26th, and 29th. Yes, uh, Leap Year Day, 1960. Now, I will be playing seven of the songs on this album, the, of the 12 songs. I will now read all of the liner notes written by Henry Mancini. Uh, they're not long. If jazz could be taken into a laboratory and put through a distilling process, two things would remain after everything else had evaporated, the blues and the beat. The blues would remain because jazz began as the voice of an oppressed people who used music to ease the burden of living. The beat would still be there because the physical motion of rhythm helps release the whole body from tension, making everything more bearable. For this album, we borrowed this essence of jazz. We attempted to take the mood, feeling, and occasionally the structure of the blues and use them as a basis for building a distinctive musical approach and sound. Thus, After Hours, Smoke Rings, Mood Indigo, and the others on the first side have a blue feel without being restricted to the blues form. Likewise, we preserved the stirring jazz beat while trying new sounds on Sing Sing Sing, Big Noise from Winnetka, and the others on side two. Above all, we were trying for fresh, new, and appealing musical sounds. To achieve a mellow flavor, we added four French horns to the trumpets and trombones. In addition to the usual saxophones, the reed men double on alto flute, bass flute, and piccolo. This provides an unusual sound which still manages to preserve the emotional quality of jazz. A glance at the list of musicians who perform on this album should give ample assurance that the music is well played. Most of them will be readily recognized as being among the very top musicians of our times. They make a fine contribution to what we hope is the overall effect of this album, modern, listenable music which preserves the essence of jazz, the blues, and the beat. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $7 is the highest, $1 is the lowest, with a $4.12 average and a $3.79 median. It was last sold just recently on March 25th, 2022. Amazon had several copies for $6.88, and eBay had a couple in the $10 to $11 range. Now, my dad's vinyl is in good condition. Didn't hear much surface hiss in the recording. The cover is in fair condition. It definitely has seen some movement in and out of the collection. Uh, there is no label or other of his infamous odd markings on the cover. And so I will value my dad's record at a buck. Okay, now two to finish out the blues side of the album. <laughs> Thank you. 
Spinning my dad's vinyl. That was After Hours, composed by Erskine Hawkins and Avery Parrish. And before that, we heard Blue Flame, composed by Joe Bishop, Leo Corday, and James Noble. Time now to learn a little more about the man behind the baton for this recording. He was born April 16, 1924 in Cleveland, Ohio, and died June 14, 1994 in Beverly Hills, California. Henry Mancini was probably the most successful film composer of his time. 
Between 1958 and 1964, Mancini so dominated the television and film music scene that everything else seemed to be either an attempt to clone his sound or a reaction against it. Nelson Riddle once quipped, though, that he'd take the royalties from one Mancini song over everything he'd ever earned on his own arrangements. We talked in previous episodes of how he was raised in West Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, and that he attended the Carnegie Institute of Technology and later went to Juilliard in New York City. Drafted into the Army in World War II, Mancini was able to get switched from infantry to band and worked with singer Tony Martin and others. He also made connections with Glenn Miller's Army Air Corps Band, although he did not serve with them. After the war, though, he was hired as a pianist and arranger by Tex Beneke, who was leading the Miller Band on behalf of Miller's widow. Mancini spent the next few years scraping by as a freelance arranger and musician. He worked on radio shows, played in studio sessions, and took on the odd orchestration or conducting job. One such job led to his publishing the tune Soft Shoe Boogie and earning his entry into ASCAP, the American Society of Composers and Performers, which would later name an annual award after him. In 1952, Mancini was hired to do fill-in work for an Abbott and Costello movie and ended up becoming a house arranger for Universal International Films. Much of the work was routine, but it provided an excellent school as Mancini worked on over a hundred films. Quote, I once referred to the music department at Universal as a salt mine, but it was a good salt mine and younger composers in film today do not have access to that kind of on-the-job training. Being on staff there, I was called upon to do everything. I mean everything. Whenever they needed a piece of source music, music that comes from a source in the picture, such as a band, a jukebox, or a radio, they would call me in. I would do an arrangement on something that was in the Universal Library, or I would write a new piece for a jazz band or Latin band or whatever. I guess in every business you have to learn the routine, in film scoring the cliches, before you can begin to find your own way. With his big band background, Mancini was tapped to be the lead arranger for the two best-known swing biopics, The Glenn Miller Story in 1954 and The Benny Goodman Story in 1956. Now, more information on Mancini will be forthcoming in future episodes of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. So, that's all for the blues. Let's move on to the beat.
The Beat, composed by Henry Mancini. Okay, time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with a popular actor I actually once met on the set of Cheers in 1991. Did you know Henry Mancini was a call-in voice during the first season of the sitcom Frasier, which was followed by the playing of Moon River? He plays a man who calls Dr. Frasier Crane's radio show, explaining his problem. I hate my voice. I mean, I know one knows, like, no one likes the sound of their own voice, especially when they hear it on tape, because it doesn't sound as good as it does in their own head. But I hate my voice in my head, too. And as he drones on, drones on Frazier begins scratching his back with a back scratcher while his colleague Roz eats Chinese food. I just watched the scene, and I'll drop the link in the show notes. Then they start silently goofing around, ignoring the call completely, and finally the caller asks... Any advice, doctor? Well, Frazier jumps to the microphone and hastily replies, Yes, just go on with what you're doing and everything should turn out all right. It turns out that Kelsey Grammer, who famously portrayed Frazier on both Cheers and Frazier across three decades, was a big Henry Mancini fan. He met his idol at Frank Sinatra's 75th birthday party and became friends, which led to Mancini's cameo on Frazier in 1994, shortly before his death. Grammer even briefly owned Henry Mancini's former house in Los Angeles, flipping it after a renovation for a tidy $6 million profit. Hmm, indeed. Well, Roz, our next caller seems to have a noise complaint.
Big Noise from Winnetka, composed by Ray Bowdick, Bob Crosby, Bob Haggart, and Gil Rodin. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I have always enjoyed Henry Mancini's music. During my research, I found that he often experimented with unusual instrumentation, such as a steam-driven calliope, which he used for Baby Elephant Walk, my favorite Mancini tune. And... I also remember this and other Mancini albums being played around the house when I was growing up. Many of them were extremely popular during that 3 p.m. Sunday dinner time. And now, a version of this song like no other I had heard before, and it's one of my favorite jazz tunes.
a wild version indeed of Sing, 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 composed by Louis Prima. So there you have selections from another of my dad's eight Henry Mancini albums. So thanks for tuning into Volume 72, Blues and the Beat, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 73, The Music Man. Until then, go with the flow, my friends.